Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What's up, everybody? Hello, Jets fans. Welcome back to the newest installment of This is the Jet Life, a part of the Gangrene Nation podcast hosted by SB Nation. So it's been a while since I last recorded one of these, and a whole heck of a lot has happened. I don't plan on it being this long between uh, episodes usually. I'd like to think of this as kind of my offseason, that gap between free agency and now, and then kind of ramp things up a little bit more as we get towards preseason the regular season. I'd like to do a couple more offseason additions probably, maybe some preseason stuff, but then obviously I'm still going to be doing all regular season stuff, recaps weekly. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. This was just, you know, that time of the year that things get a little crazy, but uh, but we're doing it now, so let's get into it. A whole heck of a lot has happened. As I said, we have hired people, fired people, signed players, cut players, and basically gone from a laughing stock of the league to an apparently well-managed machine ready to take on the NFL. And this is kind of that time of the year where nothing's really happening around the NFL. There'll be some waiver wire pickup, some guys will get waived, a few rookie contracts will officially be signed, but really we're just waiting for training camps to open up in July. And believe it or not, we're really only like a month out from live football. I think the Hall of Fame game is August 1st, which basically is basically a month from today. So it's pretty awesome. Expectations are high for franchises league-wide. Jets are not alone in that, and it's going to be another awesome season, I'm sure. But in the meantime, it's time to get caught up on everything that's happened over the past month or so. So I'm going to pick up where I left off. Right at the end of free agency frenzy, and I'm going to structure this episode a little differently. I'm going to kind of go through the timeline of what's happened in that time, getting us up to date. Along the way, I'll give my reactions and opinions to the things that have happened. I'm going to try not to get into too much depth on any of it, but this is a time where football is starting to escape many of our minds, and it offers a solid enough overview of where we are right now and how the hell we got here. So without further ado, let's take flight. So the last time I recorded one of these, we were just kind of recapping everything that had happened up to free agency. Jets had cut some of their players, re-signed some of their players to extensions, and then they'd signed some free agents from around the league. Some stars, Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, some smaller players like Joshua Bellamy, Brandon Poole, you know, under-the-radar type of guys. But overall, we were getting a good feel for what the roster was looking like and where our holes were going into the draft. The Jets have had a losing season time and time again under Mike McCagney's reign since early on in his time here. And it was a super important year for us to get back on track. We are headed in the right direction. We know that. But how quickly are we doing it? We had a lot of money to spend in free agency. We addressed a lot of things there. But it's always important to home grow your team, have some of those team-friendly contracts, rookie contracts, and build from the draft. The draft was super important for Mike McCagnon. He really needs this one. So we come in with the third overall pick. A bit of draft stock there. We don't have a second-round pick, but that's okay. It's a deep draft. A lot of you know wide receivers. A lot of defensive players. Plenty of things out there that Mike McCagney can go after. Draft begins. Third overall pick, the New York Jets select Quinn and Williams, defensive tackle from Alabama. It was the third overall pick in the draft, and it's basically a can't miss. Similar to the Jamal Adams pick. Similar to the Sam Darnold pick. The Leonard Williams pick. It's just like, this is the best guy on the board. We gotta take him. So, Quinn and Williams, if it's a need, we had basically only Steve McClendon as a real defensive tackle on this roster. I considered Leonard Williams a little bit more of an end in a 3-4. I know that Greg Williams is going to be kind of hybrid. We're kind of past the days of having a 3-4 and a 4-3. It's a little bit more fluid now because the defensive change so much to match the offenses. 
but Quinn and Williams, our anchor in the middle, Steve McClendon backing him up. A great pick, you think, right? Obviously, right now it's all speculation. Draft picks can go any which way, but we're happy with that one. Third round pick, the New York Jets select Ja'Kai Polite, an edge rusher from Florida, 68th overall. This is a pretty good spot as well. I mean, Jets needed an edge rusher. He's a pretty good, strong player that slipped a little bit in the third round. We were happy to get him there. It's like, all right, he's on the board. He's definitely one of the better players available. He's got some question marks going in. Some people have questioned his work ethic and how he's going to you know, take it in the NFL. Other people are advocating for him. Coaches on Florida saying that he's a great guy. He works his butt off. Jets took a risk with him. Hopefully he can be that edge rusher. I'm hoping that Ja'Kai Polite's going to be a better version of Lorenzo Malden. Um, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but I think that he can be, you know, what we were hoping one of those edge rushers we drafted would be. Maybe an eight-sack guy. Maybe a nine-sack guy. So this year, expectations would be a little lower. Maybe we're looking at like five or so, but eventually that's where we're hoping he's going to be. Probably not going to be in there on every single down, but 60%, 50%, sure. Then in the third round, we move up a little bit to get Chuma Adoga, offensive guard from USC, Southern Cal, where Sam Darnold played. They actually played together for a little bit of time with fellow teammate Deontay Burnett. Chuma Adoga is drafted 92nd overall. He plays tackle. I believe it's typically right tackle, but he can play left as well. He says he's ready to play basically anywhere he's asked to play. He's not super athletic, but he's strong. He's big. He's a smart guy. I've heard him in interviews. I like him a lot. He's going to be a little bit of a project, but he potentially is ready to play week one should Brandon Shell still be coming back from injury should anything else happen through preseason this is kind of that next man up kind of how you know Brent Quayle was always kind of that guy that the Jets would plug in when they had to when somebody got injured he was that first guy I think that Chuma Doga is going to kind of take on that responsibility and hopefully he does a good job and eventually can transition into a starter if not this year then in the future because we're certainly going to need it after that the New York Jets select Trevon Wesco tight end from West Virginia. This is the 121st overall pick in the fourth round. Trevon Wesco does not have great stats. Um, he hasn't caught the ball very many times. He's kind of a blocking tight end that the coaches rave about. He's, you know, that perfect player. He does everything right. This is the guy that you want on your team. Everything, they rave about him. That West Virginia coaches were just like, this is, he's the guy. But the numbers don't really back it up. The highlights aren't really there because he hasn't done a ton. He can block well. And I think you're hoping for an Eric Tomlinson replacement. It's an interesting fourth-round pick because a backup tight end who's going to be behind Chris Herndon when the team has so many needs in other positions like defensive backfield and offensive line, center. It's a bit of a stretch. And we'll see how this guy can do. But best-case scenario for him right now is, you know, unless Mike McCagden really whiffed on Chris Herndon, this guy's best-case scenario is the number two tight end in a team that, you know, over the years has not used the tight end all that much. We'll see how Adam Gase utilizes it, but, um, you know, this guy's going to have an uphill battle, but he should he should solidify the running game a little bit, be a little bit better than everyone was a little down on Eric Tomlinson after last year. He really was starting to, to lose stock, so, you know, we got a chance to kind of resurge that position. Then after that, in the fifth round with the 157th pick, we pick Blake Cashman, linebacker from Minnesota. The guy's basically a special team nut. He tackles everybody. He wraps them all up. He's got one of the highest tackle percentages in terms of consistency in the league. He was uh, super good at the level that he played at, and I think he could come in and be a day one special teamer, playing behind C.J. Mosley and playing behind Avery Williamson. You know, kind of similar to uh, you have like a Neville Hewitt or an Anthony Wint, and maybe hopefully can be a little bit better than those guys and potentially barring any injuries or something. You know, he may come in and play some, some downs here and there, but I'm sure he'll be on the roster. He'll make his name heard a few times throughout the year not going to be a real integral part of the team 
Last pick, sixth round, 196th, Blashawn Austin, a super injured cornerback from Rutgers. I mean, he, he reminds you of like uh, a Dexter McDougal all over again or something, or Jeremy Clark, one of these guys that comes in injured. He's always been injured. Hopefully he can get healthy. I don't know what Mike McCagan's obsession is with drafting players that have been so injured and, and maybe never see the field. There's still good players available there, and, and I get, like, it's a sixth-round pick. Why not take a shot on a guy? But you really want to take a shot on a guy who's also not healthy? What are the chances that he's going to be healthy and be good? I just think there are a lot of other players that maybe you could try to fill the roster out with, and there were still some decent players available then. Regardless, that's what we have for a draft. So Mike McCagan does it, and everyone's got different reactions to it, right? A lot of people are focusing on the beginning stuff. Well, Quinton Williams fits a, a huge hole, and he's a great pick, but that was kind of a gimme, a layup third pick overall. He was clearly the best player there. Then Ja'Kai Polite, yeah, he's going to be good maybe. Edge rusher, super important. It was good to address the offensive line with Chuma Adoga. Got kind of questionable towards the end, but overall, not so bad. The thing about this was they were trading up and trading picks, moving around, not really gaining any value or stock in the draft picks they were getting all throughout this thing. They were like trading back four picks, trading back, trading up, and it was like, what are they doing this all for, and are they actually coming out any better for it? And at the end of this whole thing, I don't think they did, and it's actually funny because my dad calls me uh, probably two days after the draft. We you know, talked about the draft and kind of recapped it, what we're hoping is going to happen, and he calls me and he just goes, Mike McCagney needs to be fired. And I was like, are you serious right now? And he goes, yeah, yeah, after this draft, I just truly don't have any hope in him anymore. This is a guy, my dad has been supporting Mike McCagney and his vision since 2015. You know, we were cutting all these players, Eric Deckers and David Harris's and stuff. And at the time I was like, what are we doing? We're not giving, you know, Christian Hackenberg or whomever's there any chance to play well without having these players on the team. And he's like, no, we have a vision. It's all going to work out. He had the timeline when we were going to get the quarterback. He even called Sam Darnold beforehand. Knew this whole thing was going to go, but all of a sudden, after this draft, he just goes, I don't believe him anymore. This was not a strong draft. He was moving around in the draft in ways that seemed like he didn't have any confidence in picking players. He left huge holes, cornerbacks. I mean, there were cornerbacks like Amani Aruwarie and Julian Love available for so long, the Jets didn't even touch one of them. There were wide receivers the whole way through in a super deep wide receiver class where we can use some depth there for the future. And he was not happy. Trevon Wesco, Blake Cashman, Blashawn Austin. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? It really wasn't a great draft. And at this time, my dad says for the first time ever, Mike McCagney needs to be fired. Just a random thought. We'll see if that has anything to do with stuff that's coming up. So then we finish the draft up and everyone's reacting to it. Just do a decent job. Mike McCagney makes a few more moves. We wave Rashard Robinson, a guy who's been uh, a cornerback for the Jets for some time. He traded... Well, not sometime, but we traded for him, Mike McCagden did, um, to the San Francisco 49ers to get him in here. He never really played that well. We knew that he was a, a very hot and cold type of player that would have really, really bad stretches of games, and we definitely saw that from him last year. Uh, we have very, very thin cornerbacks on this roster right now, so Rashard Robinson was actually looking at it like, well, he's probably better than Jeremy Clark, and he's probably better than Deshaun Austin, who may not even be healthy, so what, does that make him like the fourth, fifth best cornerback on this roster? in terms of being able to play outside, not just nickel. And, uh, you know, they wave him, so moving on from him. He makes a claim for quarterback Luke Falk. He was a uh, guy that we were looking at a couple of years ago. If the Jets didn't get a quarterback early, maybe they would look into getting a guy, project guy like him later on. He was drafted by the Dolphins, and obviously with everything that's happened there, they now have Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So Luke Falk is gone, and the Jets take him in to compete with Trevor Simeon for perhaps a backup quarterback role. Probably not going to win it, but he is a guy to watch. He'll be playing in preseason. 
And we signed some undrafted free agents. One that really stands out to me, Greg Dortch, a five foot eight wide receiver from Wake Forest that I think could make a big impact. He reminds me kind of that uh, Jalen Marshall pick from Ohio State that's like a, just a fast, jittery guy that you, you have a lot of hope for going into preseason, and you think like, wow, if he can put it together, this guy could easily make the roster. Now for Jalen Marshall, he did make the roster and hung on for a little bit of time, but never really got anything going. I think Greg Dortch is going to try to do that same sort of uh, same sort of battle, and he's going to try to make the roster, but he's going to have to have an impact on the field more than just making it on there because, you know, roster spots are so coveted, and if you're not moving forward and ascending, then you can't just be one of those back spots of the roster and just hanging on to it. Eventually you go to the practice squad, maybe someone else picks you up, and it's not too long before you're out of the league. So hoping for Greg Dortch to be good. We can use some wide receiver help. I know we have Quincy Nunwa, three-year deal. He gets injured. Jamison Crowder, three-year deal. He gets injured. Robbie Anderson, one-year deal. Is he coming back? And then after you get rid of that, you've got Deontay Burnett, Joshua Bellamy, Deontay Thompson. I mean, you're not looking at real skill uh, skill players there. And uh, we really could use a nice influx of young talent just in case one of those bad scenarios does happen for the top three guys. Another guy the Jets bring in, Valentine Holmes. There's actually a thing in the NFL called the... Uh, the NFL Pathway Program, where they allow teams, a few teams every year, to get an extra guy on their roster. Normally, you can carry 92, 92 or 93 guys. Now, you can carry an extra guy, as long as they're an international player coming over, kind of like a like a weird foreign exchange dude coming over to be on your roster. And if he plays well enough, you can sign him. So, we get this guy. His name is Valentine Holmes, and he's a, a rugby star in the Aussie Rugby League. And I guess he's going to be coming in to compete for like a halfback, slot receiver, kick returner. You know, there's not really like a set position for him in rugby. I guess you'd think running back, but we have a very crowded NF, uh, crowded backfield right now with all the players that we have. He'll be looking to just kind of make an impact in the return game, wow some people, show that he's a, uh, a utility, jack-of-all-trades kind of guy out there. You know Adam Gase likes guys like that, the Swiss Army knife, and it's going to be a really, really tough shot for this guy to make the team, but... You know, we're rooting for him. It's kind of cool that we get an extra guy on the team. We get exempt from the uh, the roster max, get plus one dude, and he's a, a star over there. And there's a lot of people that are paying attention to his his New York Jets success. So hopefully he can do something cool, and, you know, maybe we'll see some awesome stuff out of him in the preseason and training camps. So those things happen. Those are a couple moves that we do. And all of a sudden, Jets are sitting there looking at these moves. We're looking at the draft class. All right, pretty good. Definitely have some holes in this team. You got meetings with Adam Gase and Greg Williams, Mike McCagden, and Chris Johnson. All of a sudden, the news comes out, hits you like a brick wall. Mike McCagden fired. Everybody's scratching their head. What the hell just happened? Mike McCagden is fired? From what? Maybe my dad was right. The second that that draft was over, the writing was on the wall. A lot of people were seeing it right then. Bang. This is the point where he really, truly lost it. And I think he was in maybe the exact same spot that Chris Johnson was. And Adam Gase... Greg Williams, they probably had some guys they really wanted in that draft. They probably had some guys they really wanted off the roster or on the roster. They weren't pleased with everything that was going on in free agency. And somebody, word on the street is Adam Gase, was able to pull a power play and get Mike McCagden off the roster. So now the Jets are the laughing stock of the NFL. We just did a draft. We have this team. We haven't won in a long time. You know, people still think of the Jets as a circus from those Rex Ryan days, even though we've really quieted down with Todd Bowles. They still kind of say, oh, it's the Jets. They always say, I'm old Jets, right? And now we're firing our guy right after the draft. Why would we let him draft? That's what everybody's saying. All these rumors start coming out. It's like 
Adam Gase didn't want C.J. Mosley. Adam Gase didn't want Le'Veon Bell. All this negativity surrounding the team. People start throwing out names for future GMs. It's going to be Peyton Manning, Daniel Jeremiah, Joe Douglas, all these names. These guys are going to be the next GM. And it's just chaos. Nobody's leading our team right now. We've got a roster that needs a lot of help. We need somebody engaged. And in the middle of the season, right after a draft, allowing a general manager to do, you know, the ultimate job of an entire draft, he's gone. Now... I wasn't totally upset with it because, like my dad, I wasn't super pleased with the draft. I know we haven't seen these players play yet, but there's just a style of handling the draft, going about your draft picks, the way you use your your leverage, trade up, trade back, and the positions that you go after that kind of speak to the vision that you have. And I think that a lot of people, myself included, started feeling, especially towards the tail end, that maybe Mike McCagnan had a vision, maybe not. But either way, it was a very slow build. It wasn't anything fast. And Sam Darnold on a rookie contract. We really want to try to, you know, get this thing moving forward faster and not just by throwing huge money at players in free agency that are going to help incrementally, but just by doing, you know, getting day one guys that can come in and hopefully make a difference. Trevon Wesco, he's never going to make a huge difference on this roster right away. Blake Cashman, an inside linebacker behind Avery Williamson and CJ Mosley? No. You know, it's just Blashawn, Blashawn Austin. I mean, that guy's probably never even going to play for this team. So maybe it had to be done. My rationale when it was all going on, thinking positively for the Jets, is that at the end of this, Mike McCagden basically was the general manager for this upcoming season. He did the draft. He did free agency. He set this roster. Whoever comes in next is going to have a minimal sort of impact on exactly what's going to happen on the field. We basically have probably you know, 90% of the guys that are going to be there week one on the roster right now, and that's because of Mike McCagden and, you know, him responsible for all of that. So if the team is good, if the team is bad, it's basically going to be on Mike McCagnon. The new guy's just getting a jump start on next year. He's going to be the guy we realized, okay, Mike McCagnon's not going to come back, so why let Mike McCagnon, if we don't like his draft and we think, wow, we really we really lost him here and we got to move on, why let him do the entire season and be there and then fire him in, say, February and give the new GM two months to prepare for a draft? Why not just fire him now, cut your losses, and say, we'll ride with whatever happens this season because you've already basically built the roster, and let the new guy get a jump on evaluation. He can go through the entire training camp. He can go through the entire preseason and regular season and really evaluate these guys, and it'll put him in a much better job when it comes to what are we going to do with Leonard Williams' contract? What are we going to do with Robbie Anderson when he's a free agent? Really getting a feel for making the right decisions and being there. And I think that maybe they weren't a month or two late. Maybe they were eight months early. So when you think about it that way, I think it's a more positive way to spin it. But either way, this is where we are right now, right? So Max fired and everyone's freaking out. And so who's going to be the GM now? Well, what does Chris Johnson do? The logical thing, you make Adam Gase your interim GM. And this one, this is where it gets a little crazy, right? Adam Gase goes on a power trip. He starts making moves basically right away. And it's unbelievable because he makes some of the best moves I could have possibly imagined. The first thing he does, May 15th, 11 a.m., he gets named GM. Ten hours later, he trades Darren Lee to the Kansas City Chiefs for a sixth-round pick. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. It was like he was just like, make me GM, make me GM. The second it happened, he's like, all right, I know the first guy gone, Darren Lee. I don't care what we get. Sixth-round pick is more than enough. Boom, takes it. We were all, we weren't, I was in that same boat. I've been saying this for forever. Darren Lee has no value, less than that of a six-round pick. Chiefs fans are convinced that he's going to make their roster. I guess they have terrible linebackers. They kind of do. 
but he's really, really bad. And he's been a bust since basically the very beginning, and people have been advocating for him, and he had a couple interceptions and a few little plays here and there, but he's on the field a lot, playing a position where the ball goes towards him a lot, and he does really, really very little with it. And so the second he was gone, I just said, yes, Adam Gase, wow, he gets it. This is a guy that knows what's going on. Darren Lee is gone, and we have a sixth-round pick. Will the sixth-round pick become anything? Probably not, but it's good to have. You never know what it's going to do, and Darren Lee was not good to have. You knew what he was going to do. Then, five days later, what does Adam Gase do? He says, I'm going to make another move. He goes and waves Jordan Leggett. Are you serious? Is this guy reading my mind right now? He's just like, all right, first two guys we got to get rid of, Darren Lee and Jordan Leggett. Now, you can't trade Jordan Leggett because he's not worth anything, so nobody's going to give you even a seventh-round pick for that guy. You can just wave him and make a spot for, who knows, some no-name from another team is probably better than Jordan Leggett, who's a no-name to every other team. And so I had been riding Jordan Leggett hard. It was kind of like my, uh, you know, just the guy that I chose to make fun of in every episode because he'd, he'd never do anything good. He'd always find a way to make it into the uh, box score with, like, the most embarrassing or pathetic little numbers. He'd have some snap count in there, and uh, he didn't have anything, no output. So at the end of his Jets career, he was drafted from Clemson, who's known as Lazy Leggett. He never really shined. Rookie year, didn't play. He was injured, comes back. Second year, 14 catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown. And honestly, that's probably the best year he's ever going to have in this NFL. He's gone off the roster, and yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with it at all. So people are saying, what is Adam Gase doing? I can't believe he's making moves. What gives him this? I think that these guys are sitting in there, sitting in that room like, these are clearly bad players. Why the hell is Mike McCagden keeping on to them? doesn't make any sense. So the second they have the option to do it, they start cutting these guys. And it makes sense. All is right in the world. The New York Jets signed Deontay Thompson, who you may remember from the Buffalo Bills. I mentioned him before. Um, he also played for the Cowboys last year. He's a wide receiver. He doesn't have a ton of yards in his career, but he's definitely got more than Jordan Leggett in his position. And uh, yeah, Thompson will be in there fighting for a very, very final receiver spot. And we'll see what he can do. But that's basically what Adam Gase does right away. And it's, uh, it's all for the better and a step in the right direction, in my opinion. Then the final real interesting move that Adam Gase makes as, as uh, general manager is just like a couple hours before we sign a new guy, Adam Gase goes on and re-signs Bilal Powell after, I guess, a pretty impressive workout. Bilal Powell, who had that pretty serious injury last year, and you're like, his career is probably done. And it was really sad because he's one of those guys that's been on the Jets roster for so long, and he's just a, a fan favorite. He's always done the right thing. He was never given first string carries, really, but he was just ready the second anybody got injured, whether it was Chris Ivory or it was Matt Forte or anybody else along the years got injured, he'd come in and play really, really good minutes. And it was like, wow, is this guy ever going to be a starter? And then they'd sign somebody in the offseason or somebody get healthy and he'd be back to number two. Even Isaiah Crowell came in ahead of him. But Bilal Powell has been a great New York Jet. He plays well. He plays hard. He gives everything to the team. He doesn't rub anybody the wrong way. He doesn't say anything stupid in press conferences or anything. He works hard, blocks, catches, runs, and it was sad. But he comes in for a workout, does well, and Adam Gase says, Let's resign this guy. Absolutely awesome. You upset with that move? How could you be? It's Bilal Powell. We're not positive he's going to make the roster. He's got to play through preseason. He's got to prove that he's truly healthy. And we do have a pretty crowded backfield right now. We have Le'Veon Bell, of course. And then you're probably going to pick two, maybe three more running backs out of Elijah McGuire, Bilal Powell, Trenton Cannon, and Ty Montgomery. People are saying Ty Montgomery's playing well right now, having a really good offseason. Um, Eli McGuire has had some flashes here and there. Trenton Cannon was drafted last year. He's had a lot of issues. And then you got Bilal Powell, who's older, but a veteran, and, and everybody loves him. So 
that's basically what Adam Gase does in terms of uh, roster moves in his short time as interim GM. But now it's time to find a real GM for the whole season. The New York Jets request an interview with George Patton from the Vikings, assistant GM. He declines the interview. Jets end up getting four interviews before they make a decision. Joe Douglas, who had been a favorite all along and mentioned from within an hour of Mike McCacken being fired. He's really built a reputation for himself with his time at the Eagles. And the Jets are bringing in Champ Kelly from the Bears, Scott Fitterer from the Seahawks, and Terry Fontenot from the Saints. Now, all these guys are very active in you know player personnel, assistant GMs, essentially. Uh, work very closely with the GMs, and these guys are all pretty highly coveted guys. I'm looking at this list, and I'm saying, there's really not a bad guy in the bunch. I'm leaning the most towards, probably in order, Joe Douglas, then Champ Kelly, then Terry Fontenot, then Scott Fitterer. But I'm not really upset with any one of them, because you're talking about some pretty good organizations, the Seahawks, Bears, Saints, and Eagles. These are teams that have had success recently, and you're happy with the list. And we're not exactly sure who they're going to get. The rumors are starting to die down with the silly names. Like, oh, maybe it's going to be Daniel Jeremiah. Maybe it's going to be Peyton Manning. It's like, no, we have a pretty serious thing going on here. Everyone tries to make this big story. I don't know who it was that, that put out the rumor that, yeah, Peyton Manning is, is who the Jets want to be their general manager. That was never the case. I don't know why Jets fans and Jets media do this themselves. They try to destroy themselves from within by creating awful stories and, and making this team into a joke. Like, that. That's not what's going on. We're actually doing a pretty rigid, structured interview process. We're bringing all these guys in. We're doing double interviews on all of them, trying to make sure that we pick the right guy. We didn't just go in there like, oh, we're going to hire him. Let's go get him and offer him whatever he wants. So it's gotten to the point where it's seeming like Joe Douglas maybe is getting the job, but he hasn't been offered it yet. People are saying, oh, Woody John- Chris Johnson's got to offer him a ton of money, got to offer him a ton of money. He makes an offer. Joe Douglas denies, allegedly. Makes another offer. Joe Douglas denies. I guess the money's just too far apart. Chris Johnson's not paying. Everyone starts talking. All the Jets fan base is just saying, oh, Chris Johnson's cheap. You know, this team is why we're never going to be good. He's got to sack up and pay the man. And all of a sudden, you find out Chris Johnson sacked up and paid the man. Not only did he give him enough money to pay Joe Douglas to come here, but he also said that he would give Joe Douglas the money to get the staff that he wants in the front office. Some pretty big name guys that are probably going to cost a pretty penny to come over here. And he does it, and we get him. And Joe Douglas, the favorite all along, the guy that people wanted, the guy with a huge track record, a, a super reputable name. He's worked with Adam Gase before in his time with the Bears. You know, he, he's had a great success, won a Super Bowl with the Eagles, and now he's our guy. And you can't be happier, really, because he's a guy that truly has a vision, is respected around the league. He's a guy that's made big acquisitions. They, they've homegrown with the Eagles and signed key free agents. They've made big trades. They've done all the right things. They've drafted well. And now he comes in here. And what does he do? He waves Neil Sterling. Another tight end off the roster. Neil Sterling gets picked up by the Chiefs. So that's his first move. But he starts building a front office. Joe Douglas is looking for guys. Who's he going to get? He's going to build a senior advisor. Phil Savage, who was a failed Browns GM, but has GM experience. I mean, that's a pretty useful thing. Whether it was good or bad, you can tell him, hey, we tried this. It didn't work. Hey, we did that. It did work. Phil Savage, also known as the super successful general manager of the Arizona Hotshots, the AAF's number one team over this past year. Phil Savage may have a ring, you know, just like Joe Douglas, but he's going to be the senior advisor, going to offer some advice, some sage wisdom. I've heard him on SiriusXM, and I like the guy. He comes in every once in a while to do some shows with uh, Bruce Murray, and he's a likable guy. He knows football well. He's smart. He's not the GM. He's a senior advisor. He's going to have good input. We're happy to have him. What about director of player personnel? How about none other than Chad Alexander? The Ravens scout moved to Ravens assistant director of player personnel. 
He's been working with the Ravens for a long time, drafting with them, doing well, has a really close relationship with uh, Joe Douglas as well from their time with the Ravens because they were both there at the same time. And another probably home run sort of guy to have on your roster. It's like, wow, these are some big-name guys. These are guys that have done it before and at a high level for good organizations. What about assistant GM? Rex Hogan, right? You may remember him from the Mike McCagnan regime. He was actually part of the New York Jets organization from 2015 to 2017. He was promoted, offered more money to go to the Indianapolis Colts, a team that has been crazy successful in terms of uh, drafting and building their roster over the past basically two years. Rex Hogan gets promoted and raised again out of that, goes to assistant GM for Joe Douglas. Welcome back to the New York Jets. He already has some familiarity with the roster, so it should help him. Maybe catch him up to speed a little bit. Be like, hey, we already worked with this guy. He sucks. Hey, watch out for Darren Lee. Oh, wait, he's already gone. That's good. And uh, that's where we are right now. So we fill out that roster and, and, and that front office, and, and we're feeling like, wow, we have some really big-name guys in here. We're talking about Phil Savage and Chad Alexander, Rex Hogan working below Joe Douglas. How impressive. What a front office. So just like that, the New York Jets go from, what a la- how could they possibly fire a guy? Who are they going to get to come in here? They don't even seem like they know who they want to get. I guess they're just going to make Adam Gase let him do whatever he wants. He's the puppet master of this whole thing. And it comes out of this thing, Chris Johnson's not cheap. We got the right guy. We had a nice, trusted process of going through candidates, worthy candidates, picked the right guy and allowed him to pick the front office that is going to make this team good. And I think we're in great hands right now. I think that we have good players on the roster, maybe he wouldn't have made all those moves. Maybe he wouldn't have drafted those guys. But you know what? It starts again next year. And that's when he really gets to put his fingerprint on this whole thing. And Sam Darnold's already there. Jamal Adams is already there. Quinn and Williams. Leonard Williams. I mean, we've got players on this team. And Joe Douglas is already excited about it. You've heard him in his press conferences and interviews talking about players like, yeah, Robbie Anderson, he's a really good player. And Sam Darnold, he's super impressive. I can't wait to work with him. I mean, across the board, this guy... He's really going to do a number for this team, and I'm really excited to see it. I think a lot of Jets fans kind of have that feeling of hope again, and it, it's funny because it just came from such a low uh, a month ago or even less, and now we're up at this high just like, wow, we're in great hands, and we trust everything. He hasn't done a thing yet, but you just feel like you're being taken care of. And A testament to Chris Johnson and his work. You know, he's he's had a couple rough patches throughout his short time as uh, the Jets G, uh, owner, but at the end of the day, he did the right thing here. So now that we're caught up, what's going on? Well, really nothing. Football takes a break. And what do we do when we take a break? We do a little bit of beer segment called What's On Tap. That's right, we are talking about a What's On Tap. One of the best sections of the entire show, if not the best, because it goes over the beer that I'm drinking while recording this thing. And today I'm drinking something super exclusive not only Connecticut, but the town that I live in, Southington, the local brewery just opened up. It's this place called Sky Gazer Brewing Company right here in Southington. And it's this strange place because you can't, you can't get a beer there. There's no bar. They don't do like pints or pours or growlers or anything like that. All you can do is buy beer there. So it's basically just like a really, really tiny package store for just one type of beer that you've never heard of. So it's like, well, it's so exclusive and so secret. I got to go there. Got to Got to try this stuff. So I send my lovely little lady to Skygazer to grab some beers. She gets a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And today, this special one that I'm drinking, if it's any constellation, India Pale Ale, a play on the words, if it's any constellation, but because it's Skygazer and their symbol is a satellite, 
and they do like like this can is black with like a like a star constellation outline of a satellite and they switch the word constellation to constellation so that it makes sense for the brewery so that's pretty clever this is a five percent alcohol by volume pint a 16 ouncer and it's listed as an India Pale Ale. Now, this one is nice because it's similar to the beers that I usually drink somewhat. It's got that sort of fruity, hoppy flavor right away, but then it goes really damp and doesn't have any lasting alcohol flavor. It doesn't uh, it doesn't linger at all in your mouth. It's only 5%, so it doesn't have like that. It doesn't hit you at all. And it gives you the flavor without hanging out in your mouth for too long. And it's definitely pretty fruity. Um, Let's see what they wrote on here. This is an artesian beer that has been handcrafted with painstaking love, devotion, and care. Please enjoy it thoroughly and thoughtfully with great company. So, I mean, I don't think I could have any better company in the world right now. I'm talking to a bunch of Jets fans, and uh, I'm definitely enjoying it thoroughly. I'm going to drink this whole thing and I'll probably be cracking a second one very shortly because it's good, and at 5%, you can keep drinking them. So, you, unless you come to Southington, it might be difficult to get right now, but... Um, you can still take solace in the fact that I got to try it, and it's pretty good. It's not going to be like the best beer ever. Don't worry. Don't come driving all the way here to get it. But uh, you know, I'm not upset for this one. I'm not. I'm not drinking some of that, some of that trash I've had in other episodes. But anyways, that is the segment. What's on tap? So, kind of got caught up in the draft, the firing of Mike McCagnan, the hiring of Joe Douglas, that weird power trip moment of Adam Gase that actually went like insanely right but there's some other moves that happened along the way right josh mccown retired not only did he retire but he's already been hired to another job espn analyst so not exactly sure what capacity we're going to see him whether it's during any sort of games as a field announcer or something like that or whether he's going to be in the booth on one of the shows but good for mike uh, josh mccown because he's a fan favorite guy everybody's loved him he's been nothing but great to this new york jets team he's helped this team a long ways and while we were lost kind of he kept keeping everything together and he kept Sam Darnold moving forward. And really the time that Josh McCown came in and played that brief stint in the middle of last season, that's when Sam Darnold learned the most. And when he came back after Josh McCown taking that job for a few weeks, Sam Darnold played better than he had all season. And Josh McCown, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for the coaching and, and moving Sam Darnold in the right direction, being a totally nice, humble, loyal guy the whole way through. So thank you, uncle Josh. You were the man. I hope you're awesome on ESPN. Glad that you're not out of our lives. You're just off of our roster. But who knows? Maybe one day you'll be back as a coach or doing something else in this NFL. Maybe even for the New York Jets. Other stuff. We got Chris Herndon potentially facing a two-game suspension for a DWI from way back a little while ago. You know, these things take forever to get sorted out in the NFL. So it was like a year ago or something, and Chris Herndon gets DWI for, you know, drinking while intoxicated. And it's like, oh, shoot, this sucks. And then it kind of disappears, and nobody talks about it for a year, and you're like, okay, Chris Herndon had a really great year. Can't wait to have him back. And then you remember, oh, shoot, he's still got that lingering freaking DWI. And it's here, and it's starting to rear its head, and we're looking at potentially a two-game suspension coming shortly. Hopefully that's not the case, but uh, it is very likely. Maybe Trevon Wesco comes in and has a really, really great fill-in for that time. But, you know, yeah, we just got to get Chris Herndon. If he does have a suspension... Let's just get it over with and get him back on the field because that's a guy who's definitely ascending and is a huge weapon for Sam Darnold in this New York Jets offense. Also recently, we've been signing some uh, some of our rookies. We just most recently signed Chuma Adoga. We've already signed some other guys. Blake Cashin, we signed... Um, we already signed 
Ja'Kai Polite, and we're just working through it. It's nothing crazy. Uh, Sam Darnold had a little bit of a holdout with his situation for some offset language and everything, but um, I think everything's going to be worked out just fine. Joe Douglas isn't here to mess around. He's not going to have a holdout from Quinn and Williams and the guys because they're not going to. He's going to get it figured out. Don't worry about that. That might be one of the things that kind of happens over this this lull of football right now. And uh, also, the Jets have the number three waiver pick. So for waiver claims, the way it works, when a guy gets waived, he becomes a, a waiver player. Just like in fantasy football, if you play that, he can't be picked up for a short amount of time. Everybody gets to put in a claim if they want to get him. And then whichever team has the highest claim gets that player. And then once you get one, you move to the very bottom. You go to 32nd in the order for the waiver order. And whoever was 32nd goes to 31, 31 goes to 30, and so on, all the way down. Now the New York Jets have number three because they had the third worst record in the NFL. Right, they drafted third. They also get the third waiver pick. So we're going to see what we can do with that. There are good players cut. I have heard some people say, you know, it's a waiver pick. You're not going to get anybody good. But in reality, some of these teams have six or seven really good players at one position. Maybe they've got like five great running backs or they've got eight great receivers. And then when it comes down to it, they're like, shoot, we have to cut one of these guys. We don't want to cut any of them. We've got a bunch of good edge rushers. We have a bunch of good cornerbacks and somebody's got to go. And some of these players are pretty solid. You know, the Jets may be cutting a guy like Elijah McGuire or Bilal Bilal Powell in this whole thing. Those are pretty good players, right? And they're going to be available. So there are starting caliber players that you could potentially get with this waiver pick. And number three, you basically have, have a lot of power with that. And if it's used properly, I think we could potentially get somebody. The positions that you think of right away are like, yeah, center would be great. Cornerback would be great. Receiver, maybe. But, uh, you know, you really just got to look for a guy who's going to make an impact on your team, regardless of the position. If he's an upgrade, a clear upgrade over somebody, and you can get him on there, do it. So other than that, I mean, that's where we're at right now. What's next? Well, I'll tell you. Mid-July, we got training camp for rookies. And then, like, seven days later, the veterans can come. Quarterback sometime in the middle. August 1st, like I mentioned, the Hall of Fame game, Atlanta versus Denver. On the second, it's going to be that Jets green and white scrimmage, which is like almost a preseason game for the New York Jets where you can finally figure, oh, he's the starter versus this team. And uh, and that's always really fun. They play at Rutgers. That's going to be August 2nd. And then preseason starts August 8th against the Giants, the 15th against the Falcons, 24th against the Saints, 29th against the Eagles. And then the season starts. And just like that, football is back. I mean, August 1st is going to be live football between the Denver Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons. Just like that. August 2nd, the green and white scrimmage. August 8th, we're a month away from all this stuff. It, it feels like it's forever away. There's no stories coming out now. Everybody, like, all you can hear on football right now is like, who's the top five best Jets to ever play second string wide receiver? And it's just like, all right, let's get something real. Let's get some substance here. But there's nothing real. You're grasping at straws, and people still want to talk about it because it's football. I mean, I'm doing a recap right now of stuff that happened a month or two ago. But just trying to find a way to... to keep it going and moving forward and then when training camp starts i mean you're, you're looking at that mid-july date there's going to be a bunch of training camp battles and I, that's something that i want to get into on a, a future episode but basically looking at it right now there are a few positions that really have serious training camp battles going on guys fighting for either first string or second string jobs and even second stringers on a team like this you know they get a lot of playing time so i just want to do a quick little dive into some of the training camp battles that i'm most looking forward to so right away as i was mentioning before It's going to be that running back two position. Is it going to be Ty Montgomery, Eli McGuire, or Bilal Powell? I'll right now, I'll say Trenton Ginn is not getting that job. There's no way he's beating 
two veterans and Eli McGuire for that spot. He's out. Eli McGuire's got the youth. Ty Montgomery's got the versatility. Bilal Powell's got that veteran sort of he's done it before. And when he's the best running back of the three when he's healthy. You know, we don't know where he's at after his injury right now. But healthy over the years, Bilal Powell has had more success than any of them. They're all behind Le'Veon Bell. But who's going to be that number two guy? Somebody also has to win that number three job. So it's going to be pretty interesting. Then right guard. Brian Winters has struggled. He's not a great New York Jet, to be honest. He's been here for a while, but he's a guy that you look at that offensive line, you're like, who can we replace? Obviously center. But Brian Winters is probably the weakest at his position when you compare Osemele, Beecham, and Shell at theirs. So Tom Compton comes in, a guy that we picked up that, you know, he may not win this job. Very likely that Brian Winters takes it, but Tom Compton has a shot, and Brian Winters is not some guy that can't be dethroned. Keep in mind, you've got new coaches, you've got a new GM, you've got, you know, new people watching this saying like, all right, I don't know why you were playing it before, but this guy's better. They don't have any sort of loyalty to this. They don't have like, well, he's been our guard. He's our guy. So maybe Tom Compton can come in and, and fight for that spot. Nickel cornerback is going to be really interesting because Buster Screen is gone. Perry Nickerson was drafted last year. And then the Jets sign free agent Brian Poole to compete with him. I may have called him Brandon Poole before. Brian Poole. Anyway, he's played for the Falcons. Now, the two guys have very different play styles. Perry Nickerson is kind of a scrappy cover guy who we aren't really even sure can cover yet because he's so young. And we watched a very, very small amounts last season he came in and he looked like he was really high strung super hot-headed when he was making a couple plays all over the place and it's like all right dude calm down let's just cover and play good football just because the quarterback made a bad throw doesn't mean you made a great play sometimes it's just a bad throw and uh you know he's not a sure tackler he's not a guy that really blitzes a super physical type of player but if he can cover well he can win that job now on the other side brian Poole is a tackling nickelback I think I mentioned it in the uh, free agency episode when we brought him in. He's similar to like a Tyron Matthew playing the slot, right? He tackles really, really well, like a safety. He can blitz really well. He gets sack numbers. He hits hard. He's thumping. The problem is, in coverage, he gets picked on. He's played against some really good quarterbacks like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and just got absolutely exploited when playing in coverage because the thing is, if he's not tackling, he's really not proven to be much of a cover cornerback. Now, the Jets are going to have a different defensive scheme, and maybe Greg Williams can work him in there and hide some of those weaknesses if he can get him on the field. Maybe he blitzes him more and drops another guy back or, or brings another guy in, kind of uses Brian Poole as not like a money backer, but just a hybrid sort of blitzing cover guy. Not entirely sure how it's going to happen, but Brian Poole's going to be competing with Perry Nickerson one way or another. They're going to have different play styles, and somebody's going to win that job. Week one's going to come out. The New York Jets are playing the Buffalo Bills, and when they put a guy like Cole Beasley in the slot, who's going on him right away? It's going to be interesting to find out. So that's going to be going on all preseason long, all training camp. Wide receiver 4-5. you got Deontay Burnett, Greg Dortch, who I mentioned before, and Deontay Thompson, who I mentioned. I mean, you got two new guys in Burnett who was just coming on strong at the end of last year, but at that back end of the receiver position, you don't have much. Joshua Bellamy's probably not going to be your fourth receiver because he's a special teams guy that's never really proven to be a big receiver. Sharon Peaks probably get on his way out of here, and then who's going to take it? I love Deontay Burnett. I want to see Greg Dortch make this roster, and Thompson's got a little bit of a, you know, veteran, been there before sort of thing going on, so that'll be an interesting battle. Edge rusher. Now, right away you think, well, Ja'Kai Polite's probably going to be your main edge rusher for blitzing and stuff. But he's not done anything yet. He's not proven anything yet. So why would we put him ahead of a guy like Frankie Louvu? We can't until we see something better from Polite. 
So that Luvu polite battle is going to be really interesting. Luvu is still super young. We got him back for a pretty cheap deal. He's back on the roster. He did show some flashes. Um, if he can kind of work his game a little, get a little bit more balanced in his game rather than just a pure blitzer and, and kind of take some of the kinks out, smooth it out a little bit, I think that guy can be a good pass rusher. And then polite, we already know what we're expecting out of him. If he can get you know decent sack numbers from his position and, and play as well as he looks like he could be, then it's easily his job. We got the quarterback two position, Trevor Simeon versus Luke Falk. Now my gut says Trevor Simeon's going to win this thing pretty easily because Trevor Simeon's had some solid NFL gameplay. Luke Falk has not, but Luke Falk is young, and Trevor Simeon has had mistakes and and things like that, some some rough patches along the way. So there's no reason that Luke Falk can't come in here and light it up and win the job. You know, Trevor Simeon isn't just given that second quarterback spot just for being on the roster. He knows that. He's going to win it. So he's going to get plenty of playing time if the Jets don't want to get Sam Darnold injured in preseason. Trevor Simeon and Luke Falk will both get enough time to show whether or not they should be the number two guy. We've got a safety number three battle. Obviously, Marcus May and Jamal Adams are our first choice, but with Terrence Brooks gone, we got to look between Doug Middleton, Rontez Miles, and Brandon Bryant. Doug Middleton tore a peck last year, hardly played. Rontez Miles has never been anything better than a special teamer who's getting old. Brandon Bryant was a guy that I really liked in preseason last year and could come on strong. I'd like to see what he can do. Special teamer. It's Ben Sharon Peak kind of is that wide receiver who plays special teams pretty well for the last couple of years. Joshua, Mel- Joshua Bellamy gets signed. He's probably even better at that exact same position. A little pricier, a little older, but there's no reason Joshua Bellamy can't take that job. Sharon Peak, like I said, he's got the money on his side. He's got the youth on his side. Maybe he can take the job. Cornerback three, outside. So you're not talking nickel. You've got your outsiders, Daryl Roberts and Trumaine Johnson right away. But who the heck is going to play cornerback three? You're looking between guys like Jeremy Clark and Derek Jones right now. I mean, that's a scary battle to begin with. Those guys were drafted together, both late round picks a few years ago. Jeremy Clark has been injured. Derek Jones has been healthier, but has had trouble making this roster staying on it he played more last year than he ever has the new york jets but he didn't he didn't play amazing i mean he's got good length he looks good on the field when you see him you're like ooh, he looks like a cornerback but he didn't have great results he didn't fight his way into the starting lineup or anything like that when there were opportunities last year for the new york jets to slide some cornerbacks up it kind of just became like a, a committee thing where guys were getting different opportunities all over the place now one of those guys has to step up and prove like we're going to be it because there's going to be is there really a scenario where Daryl Roberts and Trumaine Johnson both play 16 games this year? There is, but it's probably not going to happen. So who's going to step in? Aside from that, four receiver sets, five receiver sets. You've got to get some guys out there. Man, these guys have to be able to cover because when we go up against the Patriots or a team like that and they see that, they're just going to be, all right, we're going to run five receivers all game and make these guys cover because maybe the fourth receiver for the Patriots isn't that strong. But you know what? Tom Brady can put it in the perfect spot. And any receiver in the NFL can at least catch the ball, except for Stephen Hill. Then inside linebacker three, you got Anthony Wint versus Blake Cashman and Neville Hewitt. You know, Darian Lee is gone, so finally we can get a better player in there. I liked Neville Hewitt last year. Anthony Wint had some really nice special teams play. And Blake Cashman's coming in as a young guy who we don't really know what he's going to do, but he's got a ton of tenacity. He tackles really well. He's played good special teams, and he's probably going to work his way onto, you know, some sort of impact. So who's going to get that next man up sort of thing? If one of those guys gets injured, who's it going to be? Those are some of the most interesting training camp battles right now, in my opinion. You know, if you have other ones that you're thinking of, 
let me know. Send them at me uh, on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. And I will do my best to get to them in next episode. Cover the ones that I missed. That's kind of where we're at right now. Kind of a look ahead at what we're waiting for. We're waiting for that mid-July sort of rush when the training camp comes back. We can start watching these rookies on the field. Get the veterans there. Start getting some highlights. I know training camp is just like a bunch of guys in shorts wearing a helmet. It's not that exciting when they make a good pass and stuff. But it is nice to see guys having progress and, and winning favor with the coaches. Maybe working their way towards a better chance of making the roster. All that stuff is really good. It doesn't start till mid-July. So in the meantime, we'll wait for some rookies to get signed. Um, we'll watch the waiver wire in case somebody gets picked up with that number three pick. We could do something big. And we'll see if we fill out any more front office spots. Um, you know, some back-end stuff, really small. We filled most of the main ones, but... There's still some work to be done. Joe Douglas got to get a little more accustomed to this roster. He's got to start thinking about extensions for a few players or cutting a few players, and uh, he's got to get to work. So if you like this episode, you like the show, give it a rating, give it a review. It always helps boost the brand, keeps it going. Uh, again, sorry it's been so long to make one. I uh, bit of a hiatus, but back now, ready to rock, ready to roll, keep this thing going. And, of course, when preseason starts – and the regular season starts, I'm going to be doing definitely a weekly thing. You know, I can, I can guarantee you that. But thank you for joining me for this one. I got done in under an hour for like one of the first times ever. And uh, now I can relax. Going on vacation next week. If you're going on one, enjoy it as well. Have a happy fourth. Super safe. Watch out for the DUI checkpoints. You don't want to end up like Chris Herndon. But uh, have fun. Enjoy yourself. And see you next time here. I'm Dan Burnham. And this is The Jet Life. <laughs>